Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Tiff Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout on 88.7 FM WLUW. Chicago Sound Alliance, I'm your host, Nick Schultz. I'm back two weeks in a row. This is great. I didn't take a week off for fall break this time. I am back, and there is so much to talk about. Phone lines are open, 773-508-9589. I'm here for an hour uninterrupted, as you heard in the intro. So please give me a call if you agree with me, disagree with me, just want to yell at me, just within reason. A lot going on. And I'm going to start with something I saw on the bus down. So I took the 147 bus from Rogers Park. Picks me up a block from my apartment. Figured why not. It's going to be there quicker than the train. And I'm on said bus. And it's taken a while because there was they were working on some stuff on the L tracks. And it was stopping at literally every stop. And we're coming up on Lakeshore Drive. And I see a tweet from Mark Feinzend from MLB.com that says, Joe Espada is on his way to Chicago for a second managerial interview with the Cubs, per a source. Cubs were, clear, Cubs were clearly impressed with what they heard last week from the Astros bench coach. And Jesse Rogers from ESPN just tweeted that he confirmed it. And sounds like Joe Espada really knocked their socks off. The more I hear about this, about Joe Espada, the more intrigued I am by the guy. I have been from the beginning team David Ross for the Cubs manager opening. I think he could come in, and I know people think he's too close to the players. They, how can you manage him when he when you're their friend? How can you do this? I know uh, Kelly Kroll at NBC Sports makes a good point when if he if he is the manager, what's it going to be like when Ross would have to pull Lester from a game? That'd be interesting. But the more I hear about old Joe Espada, it's He's really interesting, and he's, if you look him up, and it sounds like a game of the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, if you ever played it. So the joke is, you pick an actor, and you can trace them back to, they were in a movie with so-and-so, so-and-so was in a movie with this person, and this person was in a movie with Kevin Bacon. Well, with the Cubs, it's the seven degrees of Joe Espada, because his brother-in-law was Brandon Hyde. And Brandon Hyde was the bench coach, not this past year, the year before. And he's now managing the Baltimore Orioles. And Espada also works for A.J. Hinch right now. And Hinch was in conversation to be the Cubs manager before Ricky Renneria, I believe. And he's also really close with Jed Hoyer. So he's really connected. And he's a great, he looks, seems like a great baseball mind. And it's crazy that he got a second interview and is on his way to Chicago because last night his Astros walked off the Yankees. That was incredible. And how about that game? I was in, I'll admit, I was in bed. I was tired. I was, this week, kicked my teeth in. And I had the day off of my internship yesterday. The family came up for dinner. It was great. And I went to, I went to bed. I was laying there. I threw on a podcast. I think I threw on the odds couple on ESPN 1000, and I open Twitter, and it's just going nuts. And I'm wondering what's going on. And I get I f- follow the MLB home run tracker, and it said, 
DJ LeMahieu home run. And it tied the game in the ninth inning. Because I, I didn't watch any of the game up until the ninth inning last night. Because I'm like, I'm not doing much of anything tonight. So I came I came out because my roommate, he was he was out with friends. He came home and he was watching the game. I heard him yell at the TV. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go see what happened. I'll tell you what. George Springer's two inches taller. He catches that. But a Hendry guy, DJ LeMahieu, tied the game for the Yankees. And then the bottom of the ninth, I said to my roommate Andy, I told him, Jose Altuve was coming up. I can name anyone else I'd rather face if I'm the Yankees. You'd, you don't want to face Jose Altuve. What does Jose Altuve do? Takes the roll to Chapman deep to left center, and the Astros are going to the World Series. And while they're preparing to go to the World Series, Joe Espada is getting on a plane to Chicago to meet with Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer. I was under the impression that if the Astros lost the ALCS, they would lose, let's see, would today have been Game 7 or tomorrow? Either way, whenever Game 7 was over, because it would have to go seven games for them to lose. If the Yankees won Game 7, the next day you would hear rumors about Joe Espada to the Cubs. But my other thought was if the Astros won like they did, You'd hear David Ross announced as Cubs manager on Monday, which would be tomorrow. Well, hearing this report about Espada getting a second interview, yeah, I'm going back and forth on that now. Because I've heard mixed things. I know people want... I think Theo and Jed want to pull the strings and have David Ross manage, and they're kind of calling the shots a little bit. But if they hire someone like Espada... They have an, a manager, and they don't have they won't have to micromanage so much. I guess is the phrase I'm looking for. I also think Joe Girardi is all but out of the running. That's just my perspective. I know he had that eight hour interview or whatever. I don't think he's going to get the job. I also have, like I personally think. I know the argument for Girardi is he's very set in his ways and he'll do his thing and he won't he won't just do what the front office tells him to do. That's great, but I feel like there's a point because Joe Madden kind of did his own thing, and we all know what happened to him. He's with the Angels again. That happened this week. They signed him to, I believe, a three-year deal. Sounds right. He's going back home. He spent 31 years in the Angels organization. Can you believe that? And now he's going back, and that's a that's a mess of a situation. I really don't want to get too. I don't want to get in too deep on that whole thing. But there's a lot going on in Anaheim right now. But Joe used to do his own thing when he was here. And we, I mean, I would, obviously not in this chair. I haven't been in this chair that long. In the other chair, I'd be sitting there talking about how he didn't, he didn't really follow the book, but he was very black and white in a way. I feel like he and Theo and Jed kind of butted heads there, especially toward the end on stuff. And bringing in a guy like Joe Girardi, I think you're going to see more of that. Would Girardi get the respect right away? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's Joe Girardi. Managed the Yankees to a World Series. Played for the Cubs. Played at Northwestern. So yeah, he'd walk in, he'd command the room. But I also don't think he's the guy. I don't know how the vibe would be. And there was a really interesting... Uh, so last week when I had uh, Daryl Horowitz, he used to host a show, he called in, he told me about an article in the, Sun, in the Sun-Times Sports Saturday, which I usually pick up. Well, I forgot to pick it up last week. I picked it up this week, though. And there is an interesting article from Gordon Wittenmeyer. He's the Cubs beat writer over there. He does great work. And Gordon sat down... or not really, I don't know if he sat down with him, but he, had, he talked to Joe Madden in an exclusive interview. And one of the things that came up was David Ross. And I'm trying to find the quote in the Sun-Times. Usually, Daryl would highlight. I'm not a big fan of highlighting. Mainly because the way I mark up a newspaper is playing the Sudoku in the middle of it. Which, I'm, I still haven't finished that yet. Don't worry. But it also, so this is Gordon Whitmire's article. But it also underscores the big question Cubs president Theo Epstein faces as he replaces the most successful manager in franchise history. Whether he hires in-house favorite David Ross, 
Astros hotshot bench coach Joe Espada, or anyone else. And you go through the article, it sounds like, it it almost sounds like Joe, he's praising David Ross. Uh, there's a quote in here, I would love for David to get it, Madden said. He checks all the boxes, except he hasn't done it before. They'll put the right people around him and give him the right information. David's really smart. So that's interesting to hear from Rossi's old boss. And that's, there's just so, there's so much going on here. We, everyone's talking about, oh, what's the, what's the Cubs' biggest need this offseason? Do they need this? Do they need that? My argument to the, my counter to that is that they need a manager. They need a manager first. It's great. They're hiring these directors of hitting and pitching, and that's great. Give me a manager. So we'll see what happens there. If you've got any thoughts, if you've got a strong opinion, if you disagree with me on Joe Girardi, if you agree with me on Joe Espada, give me a call, 773-508-9589. But the Cubs are hiring these directors of pitching and the directors of hitting. I know one of the guys was promoted. I'm trying to find it. I read it in The Athletic. They did a story on it. Justin Stone is now the director of hitting. He's been a biokinematic hitting consultant since 2018. If anyone knows what that means, I will buy you a coffee because that's a foreign language to me. And I played baseball. That's a foreign language to me. And Craig Breslow, he has a 2013 World Series ring with the Red Sox and a degree in, wait for it, molecular biophysics and biochemistry from Yale. He's the new director of pitching. You know, I make fun of my brother a lot. He's back home on fall break. He goes to George Washington. He's a biochem major, and he's also Navy ROTC. Biochem and biophysics, or molecular biophysics, I got I to gotta get that disclaimer in there. From Yale? That, okay. All right. I, I don't really know how to respond to that one as a journalism major and sport management minor over here. So they're making hires. They just don't know who the manager is going to be just yet. Really interesting stuff. And if I didn't have a lot going on today, I would be... I'm trying to make it... I said it last week when Girardi had his eight-hour interview. I almost went over to Wrigley to the Starbucks to knock out some work while he was there. Didn't know he was there until afterward. If I didn't have so much going on today, I would go to the Starbucks at Wrigley and knock out some work and just see how long... The spot is there because the Starbucks is right next to the office building. In fact, I think it's in the building. So that's the breaking news, I guess you can call it. Just that Joe Espada got a second interview. It's it's the most recent news because, like I said, I found that out. Uh, that tweet hasn't even been out an hour yet. It came out 45 minutes ago. So that's what's going on there. In other Chicago sports news, the Bears are back from the bye week. They're playing the Saints today. Yay. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in that game. I do know, uh, I've, been try- I've been wanting to make this joke now for a couple weeks. So, it's a famous Elton John song that I'm not going to say the title of. But let's just say I'm going to substitute the name. The Mitch is back this week. Mitchell Trubisky is back from his shoulder injury. I am so proud of that joke. I came up with that on my own. Trubisky is back from the shoulder injury at a torn labrum, I believe. I don't speak doctor. I don't play one on TV. Mitch is back. The Bears are four-point favorites, according to the Action Network, over the Saints. That game will be played on the lakefront at 325. I don't know what's going to happen in this one. I really don't. Just with Trubisky coming back and Akeem Hicks is on the injured reserve, which it sucks because that's going to hurt the run defense a lot. And that injury he had in the game against Oakland was absolutely brutal. So no clue what's going to happen today. I am not an expert 
on predicting NFL games as you if I showed you my I'm in a pick'em league with my my buddy Blaze Radosevich who sat in with me a couple a couple times he's I might have him in soon I think I've been texting him about it I'm in a pick'em league which is just you literally pick the winner straight up if you see my record in that you will see you should not trust my picks that's why I don't put money on these games well not yet at least but news out of Hallis Hall was obviously injuries. Kyle Long is done. His season is over. He's been dealing with a hip injury, and he's on the injured reserve. And we've been talking all week at NBC Sports Chicago, where I intern, that he might be done as a bear, which is sad. And it's really sad because... So think about how far the Bears have come in the last three years. I remember... Way back when, all of five years ago, when the best player on the Bears, in my opinion, I will stand by it, the best player on the Bears was Kyle Long. Now, as I said, I'm no expert on NFL teams. I never played football. I golfed. My brother played youth football before he got hurt, and now he golfed. I I don't think it's a good thing when an offensive lineman is your best player. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe you want that because you get protection for your quarterback who was mediocre at best in Jay Cutler. Because this would have been post-Matt Forte is where I'm looking. But it's sad to see Kyle Long's season is over and his time as a bear might be over. And Akeem Hicks, like I said, he's out at... Eight weeks, it sounds like he's going to be back on that eight-week mark since they put him on the injured reserve, which would be just in time for the Packer game. And hey, speaking of the Packers, did anyone see that game on Thursday? Packers-Lions? That was insane. Or not Thursday. It was last Monday. I'm sorry. Thursday was the Chiefs game when Patrick Mahomes got hurt, which I'll talk about in a minute. Did anyone see the officiating in that game? I couldn't believe that. It was some some of the worst I've seen, and it's lit up social media. I'm a I'm a diehard Bears fan. I hate both those teams with well, that hate. I strongly dislike both those teams with a passion. And to see that happen, I was pulling. I was actually pulling for Detroit because if the Packers lost, that means the Bears would be that much closer to first place. If the Bears are closer to first place. That makes me happy. But hands to the face. I know I made the, I know, I know I said this already. I'll say it again. If anyone sees a hands to the face on the replay, come find me, and I will take you to the nearest Starbucks. That's how confident I am. I go to, I go to Dunkin' because it's cheaper. But I will take you to Starbucks if you find a hands to the face in there. And you won't, because if if you do, you're making it up, because there was no hands to the face. And the Lions got hosed. The Packers won, and all I kept hearing about was Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. No, the officials, the officials. And now all these arguments are coming out. I heard on CBS Sports Radio last night, they're talking about a sky judge, I think is what I heard they're talking about doing, having an eye in the sky to tell kind of like an, not like a replay referee, but like, Someone to get in their ear and say, hey, this was this didn't happen. Or, hey, you got this wrong. Maybe that could be in the future. And people, NFL referees are not full-time. Only a, There are a few that are. But most of them are part-time. And now the argument's coming out that you need full-time referees. And that was, that's as, that was as bad of an officiating job as I've seen in my long time of watching football. I've really only been watching football for about 10 years now. So, I, like I said, I'm a baseball guy. As you heard by me leading with a Cubs managerial search instead of the Bears coming back from the bye week. But that wasn't great. And then Patrick Mahomes on Thursday dislocated his knee. And the Chiefs got lucky. He's only going to be out three weeks. Because the MRI came back with the best case scenario. But now, 
the NFL lost its face of the league for three weeks. And someone was making the argument on the radio. This was on national radio. So do it that way you will. On national radio, someone was saying Patrick Mahomes is the most valuable athlete. And it that seems that seems like a hot take. He's great. He's he's flashy. He make he he makes the hard stuff look easy. He makes these no look passes, and he, I mean he's great. But I I think that's a stretch. And now all, and all these Bears fans, they, this is what this is another thing that annoys me. Another thing that grinds my gears. Well, there's a lot of things that grind my gears, but this especially. Looking back at that draft, when the Bears traded up to number two, the draft won Mitchell Trubisky, and Patrick Mahomes went tenth. And Deshaun Watson went 12th. Couple thoughts. Number one, I remember where I was and what I was doing when I saw was I was I wasn't home. I was watching on Twitter. I was keeping track, and I saw that the Bears had traded up, and I thought that I was in Denobly Dining Hall eating dinner, and I because I thought they were trading up and they were going to take Deshaun Watson, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm good with this. And they draft Trubisky. I'm just like, oh. Now, I said on the show, and I, th- this time I've said it in this chair, I think Mitchell Trubisky is, can be a good quarterback. People don't like him. A lot of people don't like him. People made fun of me for that. When he was struggling at the beginning of the year, man, I got laughed out of the room at NBC Sports Chicago when I said I would take Mitchell Trubisky. Right now, everyone was all, oh, get him out of there, get him out of there. I'm like, no. Better the devil you know, and I like the devil I got. Because look what happened with Chase Daniel in London against the Raiders. He looked pretty great. Not. I've been Team Mitch all year. But I don't think the Bears should have traded up to number two to get him. That's thought number one on that draft. Number two, I'm probably going to get laughed at for saying this, but I know a couple people who think the same thing. I had never heard of Patrick Mahomes until last year. Even when they drafted him, I don't even I didn't even remember hearing his name. I didn't know who he was. And all of a sudden, last year, he's filling up my Twitter timeline and everything. I'm like, I had never heard of you. Now, I'm just a casual fan. Like college football. I love my fight in Irish. But I do typically know the big names. I know I knew who Deshaun Watson was. But I never ever heard of Patrick Mahomes. And all these Bears fans on Twitter, oh, we should have drafted Mahomes. We should have taken Mahomes. We traded up for Mitch and you could have had Mahomes. I'd never heard of him. I guarantee you a bunch of you had never heard of him. Again, I thought they were trading up for Deshaun Watson, which would have been perfect. Seeing as seeing what he's doing for my fantasy team this year is pretty great. Outside of one game where he had a rough go of it. Now, a couple weeks ago, we had Mahomes versus Watson, which was really fun to watch. And it was also just sticking the knife in Bears fans' hearts that they could have had one of those guys, Watson, because I don't I still don't think I would have taken Mahomes. And I was so at NBC Sports Chicago, I run the teleprompter for Sports Talk Live, post, any pregame, postgame, maybe halftime intermission. But Sports Talk Live, and uh, David Kaplan was hosting, which just a quick side note, uh, Cap's dealing with shingles, all the best to David Kaplan. That's not, that doesn't sound fun. He's been out all week. Uh, so all the best to Cap and hope he gets better soon. But before he went down with shingles, he, had, he was on Sports Talk Live with, and I won't forget it, it was with my buddy Jordan Burnfield. He was on with Mark Grody and Layla Rahimi. And Layla made some comment about, I think, if just think, what would happen if we could have had either one of these guys, like maybe take maybe a Deshaun Watson and maybe a Patrick Mahomes, and, and, Cap, and Cap put his feet up, and he's like, the sarcasm is filling this room, and he, just, he put his feet up and laid back in his chair, and then Grody did the same thing. It was really funny. But in the middle of all the sarcasm and putting their feet up on the table, 
Cap made a good point. He brought up that he went back and looked at ESPN's rankings from that draft, like the pre-draft rankings for who, like the mock drafts and everything. Except Patrick Mahomes was in the 50s. So I'm clearly not the only one who didn't, A, didn't know who Patrick Mahomes was, and B, didn't think he'd turn into the MVP caliber quarterback that he is now for Kansas City. But we won't see him for three weeks because he dislocated his kneecap, which as someone with a, with a bad knee, that sounds very, very painful. And the play, didn't it didn't look that great, the play either. But I, I'm tired of hearing Bears fans complain that they could have had Mahomes. I think they need to be making the case that they could have had Watson. Because like I said, I love Mitch. Don't get me wrong. I don't want that. I want to make that clear. I love Trubisky. I think I think the talent is there. He's just got to put all the pieces together. But I think my ranking for I think he would be it would go if you're looking at their NFL abilities, it'd go Watson Mahomes, Watson, Trubisky. Yes. I will concede to that. But if I'm back in what 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 draft what draft was that? The 20, 2015? No, no, not twenty fifteen. I was already here. Twenty seventeen draft, whenever that was. If I'm looking at who I would have taken at that point, I'd go Watson, Trubisky. Can't even think of a third. Mahomes wouldn't even be in my top three. Just because I'd never heard of the guy. I didn't know who he was. He went to Texas Tech. I got nothing there. At least Watson played in a national championship. But we've got Mitch, and he's back this week. And I think it's what the Bears need because I, I don't know how it would go with a chase with another Chase Daniel start. There's a reason Chase Daniel is a career backup quarterback, and I, I think I said that last week, and I'm going to make the same point again. There is a reason that man is a career backup. He he's supposed to know the offense very well. He's supposed to be able to come in after an injury or someone gets benched and do what he did against Minnesota. That's what he's supposed to do. And he's made somewhere in the ballpark of $30 million as a backup quarterback. That's not an easy job, what he's doing. And all these people, oh, give me Chase Daniel over Trubisky any day. Oh, give me Tyler Bray over Chase Daniel after the way he performed in London. Okay, stop yourselves right now. Tyler Bray, Tyler Bray got, can- er, wow, he got released from the big roster. He's back on the practice squad. Trubisky's back. Daniel is the backup. That's the way it is. And I know people like to give Mitch a hard time. And I'll admit, he can't throw to his left. He can't. But I think the talent, I think the ability is there for a good, solid quarterback. And this game today against the Saints is going to be interesting with Teddy Bridgewater playing well. That's why I don't know what's going to happen. I have no earthly idea what's going to happen. The game's at 325 at Soldier Field. And I'm, I know I'm, I'm going to be watching as best I can. I got some meetings today. And I'm just going to be wondering what's going to – it's a crapshoot. Like you're rolling the dice. I don't know what's going to happen. It could be high scoring on both ends. Hopefully the Bears' defense is back to what it was before the Raider game. But, again, they're going to have trouble stopping the run with Akeem Hicks out, but they caught a break. the Bears caught a break this week with Alvin Kamara being out with an injury. My fantasy team's going to suffer with Alvin Kamara out with an injury. I heard that, and my first thought was, oh, man, I had to start, start Kenyon Drake from the Dolphins. And I don't, uh, there's no one else on the waiver wire either. I am stuck if I want someone impact. So the Bears caught a huge break with Kamara out. I did not. And if I lose any money in this fantasy league, I'm going to be really, really, really upset. But there's nothing you can do about an injury. Like, that's part of the game. So we it, there's so many factors in this game that I just I have no earthly idea how it's going to go. But we'll see at 3:30 this afternoon. 
out at Soldier Field. It's going to be on Fox. I'm excited because I missed them during the bye week, believe it or not. Even as mad as I was about that Raider game, I missed them during the bye week. And by the way, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on 88.7 FM WLUW with Nick Schultz. If you want to chime in on anything, if you disagree with me about my take on Patrick Mahomes in the draft when I didn't know who he was, my take on Mitch Trubisky, which odds are you disagree with me on Mitchell Trubisky, and that's fine. If you want to talk about anything in the world, within reason, give me a call, 773-508-9589. I want to move on to something else that happened yesterday. How about the fighting Illini at Illinois? I, before, so last week when Illinois played Michigan, they cut it, they brought it close within three. And I turned on the game. I was on my way to work. Before last week, I can't tell you the last time I watched an Illinois football game. And now, two weeks in a row, I find myself turning it on because I saw that they were pulling in close against Wisconsin, the number six team in the country, the Wisconsin team that had not trailed once all year. Illinois pulled within 23-16. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to turn this on. Why not? I got nothing else to do. I got to make lunch anyway. I finally got my rear end up out of bed, made myself some lunch, turned on the TV, and shortly thereafter, they intercepted it at 50. And at that point, my roommate was in his room. You heard me just go, oh, my God. And I'm thinking to myself, they can actually do this. They were 30-point underdogs. And I'm like, they can do this. And they took it down the field. They took their time, which blew my mind, blew the announcer's mind. And the kicker came out. James McCourt is his name. Remember that name. Because he went down in history yesterday. It was homecoming in Champaign. And the Illini took down the Wisconsin Badgers 24-23. It was seriously one of the most incredible endings to a game I'd ever seen. It'd be one thing if they were like a 10-point dog. It'd be one thing if I didn't think Illinois would win a Big Ten game all year again. I remember saying that before the year. I didn't think they were going to win a Big Ten game. They almost beat Michigan, which I think it's safe to say Jim Harbaugh is all but out of a job. Because I I don't think I don't think Michigan's in a good spot right now. And we'll see when they play my Irish this week. Oh, I can't I cannot wait for oh this Michigan week. I'm gonna be relentless. I can't wait. But the spotlight now is on the fighting Illini. And Everyone, I agree with everybody on Twitter. That was a program-changing game. When Lovey Smith got his extension a few months ago, when we were, Daryl and I were sitting here on the show in these seats, laughing at Josh Whitman for giving Lovey Smith an extension after never having won a Big Ten game, he took that team to Memorial Stadium yesterday. And took down the number six team in the country, which again, hadn't trailed at all. The only time they've trailed this year is after McCourt's field goal went in with time expired. Which can we appreciate that that kick was all but perfect? It went, I, I mean, it, it went down the middle, no doubt about it. The celebration was insane. And I saw Shannon Ryan from the Tribune, she's the college sports reporter, or one of them, she tweeted that whoever's running the PA, whoever's running the music, must be a really good trash talker because Wisconsin's big thing is to play jump around during games by the House of Pain. And you know what Illinois did after they beat Wisconsin and the whole student bodies on the field? They played jump around by House of Pain. And that's just, that was too funny. And like I said, I'm not an Illini fan. I grew up down that way. I grew, I grew up in Dwight. It's about, how far is Dwight from Champaign? It's got to be like an hour plus, something like that. I've been there a handful of times. But I've never really been an Illini fan. Mainly because all you heard about, because 
the radio station back home used to carry Illinois basketball, football. And I'll never forget listening to the Bruce Weber show on WJEZ. And when Loyola played Kansas State in the Elite Eight when during that Final Four run, and I had to sit in on Bruce Weber's press conference, man, I, I, I don't usually like making fun of how people talk. I, I can't listen to Bruce Weber talk. So I've always just had a line-eye sports, basketball, football just shoved down my throat. And I just got tired of it. But now I'm up here, and they're actually playing well. Yeah, I'll throw on the Illini game once in a while. Do I like making fun of Lovey Smith? Yes. Is that beard absolutely majestic? Yes. I think I think there was something in the beard yesterday that helped them win that game. Is that 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 beard is magical? And I know people people think it's ridiculous. People hate it. I love it. I think I think it's a meme. I think it's amazing. And if you don't know what I'm talking, just look up a picture of Lovey Smith. It is incredible to see. And then you see a picture of him when he was coaching the Bears when they went to the Super Bowl, and it, it looks like a different person. But man, it is so funny. But I I, I still am in pure shock about. That game yesterday. Like, you, there's some things in sports that you don't expect. Hearing Illinois beat Wisconsin was something I definitely didn't expect. Definitely not this year. And it was, I, again, I'm speechless with it. Insanity. And again, I'm surprised my roommate didn't come running out when he heard me just go, Illinois, when McCourt's field goal went in. And they stormed the field. It was awesome. Again, it was homecoming. And the other ripple to this whole thing is U of I's campus bar, CAMS, is set to close today. Today is its last day open. And man, I'll tell you, Illini Twitter was going nuts about the fact that they're going to burn that place down if they didn't already. And RIP Cams has already been all over my timeline. I've never been to U of I, so I don't even know where it's at. But it's just how appropriate that you send out your campus bar with a victory over a top 10 team. But the other implication, I'm burying my lead here. Notre Dame didn't play yesterday, and they're going to move up in the rankings. Because the number six team in the country lost. (laughs) That's my takeaway. No, but all seriousness, it was a great win for Illinois. I love giving Lovey Smith a hard time because I don't I don't think he's that great a college coach. I thought he was as good as could be with the Bears, but he's an, I didn't I don't think he's a good recruiter. I don't think he's a good college coach. All the credit in the world to him because that was impressive. And given the way that Michigan game went last week too. This program looks like it's starting to turn a corner. And it's weird to say, because I thought they were going to be atrocious. And it's starting to turn a corner. And we'll see what happens. Moving on from college sports, let's talk about the Bulls. Oh, the Bulls. Only the Bulls. The regular season starts Wednesday. They're talking about being a playoff team. Jim Boylan's talking about, we're going to get him to the mountaintop, which is making the playoffs to him. The mountaintop should be winning the finals. I said that last week. NBA season is upon us. And that means we have to actually care about the games now instead of watching these preseason games. Thank goodness. I don't like preseason basketball. I really don't like preseason basketball when the Bulls play their starters against the Bucks backups and lose. Yeah, they lost to the Bucks backups a couple weeks ago. But I, I this this feels so weird to say, but I, I, I agree with Jim Boylan on something. 
he did something I like. And I, I, I'm in shock. I can't believe it. I had to double check to make sure I was feeling well. I had to go take, I had to make sure I wasn't running a fever. He's benching Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn's going to come off the bench, and Thomas Sadoransky's going to be the starting point guard. Oh, man, I about jumped out of my skin. I thought for sure he was going to start Chris Dunn. And Chris Dunn, let me let you in on the secret about Chris Dunn. He's not good. He's not. He's not good. And they went out and got Sadoransky this offseason. And there was still uncertainty as to what Boylan was going to do with the starting point guard spot. And to me, it's a no-brainer. But Sadoransky and groom Kobe White, because Kobe White's got game. That kid, wow. I really like what I'm seeing from Kobe White so far. And I'll admit it, I, well, the draft happened when I was recovering from my surgery this summer, so I called into the show for the draft, and I said, I want Darius Garland. I wanted the Bulls to find a way to trade trade up and take Darius Garland instead of Kobe White. I said Kobe White would be a good consolation, but I think Darius Garland is the guy. He was the guy I wanted. And naturally, the Bulls did not get Darius Garland. He went to the Cavaliers. And I'm looking up his stats right now for the Cavs in the preseason. And ESPN is taking its sweet time. Could be the Wi-Fi, too. I don't even think he played in the preseason now that I'm looking at it. Well, regardless, the Bulls got their guy in Kobe White, who I think could work his way into the starting lineup this year. But for right now, Thomas Sadoransky is your starting point guard. And Chris Dunn is going to be coming off the bench. Thank goodness. There is no way I'd have been able to handle Chris Dunn starting on Wednesday for the season opener. If you're serious about making the playoffs, which it sounds like Jim Boylan is, which I just can't take him, I, I can't take him seriously anyway. I always tell people, it, if anyone else was coaching the Bulls, I would have a lot better outlook on how the season might go. I just, I really, really don't like Jim Boylan. I think he's super wishy-washy in his interviews, first of all. But that's just me having to log sound for media day and hearing him talk in circles. But I just, I don't think he's the kind of guy. I talked earlier about how Girardi, Joe Girardi could walk into a room and he would, It'd be instant respect. I don't respect Jim Boylan. He got off to a really bad start last year with the with the, the gassers and the practice lengths and running the guys till they drop. He got off to a real and he kept and that was a mess. I said it here on the airwaves. It was a mess. I don't think he's the coach that can get them to that quote-unquote mountaintop, which I hate. That. I hate that phrase. I'll give him credit, though. He went through that whole me today without talking about the Bulls across the chest, which was another one of his favorite buzzwords. But if the Bulls are serious about getting to that quote-unquote mountaintop and making the playoffs and making noise in the playoffs, Jim Boylan is not the guy. And... I, I just can't believe I agree with him about benching Chris Dunn. Like, this is, I'm blown away. I'm as blown away as I was about Illinois winning yesterday. I can't believe I agree with Jim Boylan on something. I want to know your thoughts. What do you think about the Bulls and everything this year? Give me a call, 773-508-9589. I got another 16-ish minutes here. In sports media news, speaking of the Bulls, at NBC Sports Chicago, Mark Schanowski decided to take a step back this year after, I think, 30-some years. He's taking a step back. He's not going to be hosting pregame, postgame, and halftime anymore. Jason Goff is back in the game, baby. Jason Goff is replacing Shanowski as the pregame, halftime, postgame host on NBC Sports Chicago this year. I'm excited. I liked Goff when he was uh, co-hosting with Dan Bernstein, the Bernstein and Goff show. 
full disclosure, the only reason I listened to that show at all was because of Jason Goff. And he's got a great story. He, he's from Evanston. And the reason I know that is because he used to call in. I, I don't remember when he called in, but I know he used, to, he used to call into the score as a fan as Jason from Evanston. And then he worked his way into a producer role. And then he left and he came back and he was a host at the score. It's a great story. And I'm really happy for him because I he got hosed at the score, in my opinion. I When Jimmy DeCastro came in and kind of cleaned house, I didn't like the way Goff was let go. And he's been doing other stuff with like ESPN Radio. He's hosting with Sarah Spain. He's hosted on Sirius XM. He's been keeping busy. But now he's... I was talking to a, a friend of mine recently about this. And my buddy said he is... He doesn't want to say, like, relevant again in Chicago media, but he's a name in Chicago media again. And I'm excited to be working with him because I work the pregame, postgame shows. So any game on a Monday or a Friday or a Saturday, I'll be running his teleprompter because that's what I do as a lowly intern. So I'm really excited about that. And the Bulls coverage is just, it's going to be great this year over at the station because you got golf joining, you still got Will Purdue and Kendall Gill, Casey Johnson is the Bulls insider. Big things going on over at over on Orlean Street at the Merchandise Mart cuz I'm I'm really ex- I I wasn't really excited to be working Bulls games just cuz again, I don't think they're going to be that great this year. But working with Jason Goff, yeah, I'm pretty excited now. It's going to be an interesting year. At the United Center as a whole. And I'm not just talking about the Bulls. Because look at the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks, they've won two games. they won two games. It's so exciting. It started off 0-2-1 in that one overtime game. That, But they, they won the other day. Corey Crawford played out of his mind, which it was against Edmonton. I think. And I was saying before the game that I would have put Robin Leonard in goal. Because I liked the way Robin Leonard looked the last game, even though they lost. But Jeremy Colleton put Crawford in goal, and I'm like, okay, I disagree. Okay, he made a good choice. And then Leonard was in goal the other day against, uh, oh, who did they? I they just they just played him. I, I had it and I, I lost it. Who did they play the other day? And now Google's taking his time. Columbus, the Blue Jackets. That's it. Yeah, because they did the Sharks and the Jets routine from West Side Story. I made that joke last week. And they played the Oilers and then the, the Blue Jackets. So Robin Leonard started the other day against Columbus. He also had a really good game. So you got a goaltender competition going on. With the Blackhawks. You want Corey Crawford, who's won two cups, but has also been dealing with health issues. Or do you want Robin Leonard, who you're paying a pretty good amount of money to? Well, you're paying a good amount of money to both of them. You're paying Leonard $4 million this year, and Crawford, no, that's not right. No, that's not, that's not right at all. Robin Leonard's getting paid $5 million this year. That's it. And Corey Crawford, uh, I think, is making $7 million? Helps if I type this out right on the, the old Google machine. Eh, it's not going to tell me. Either way, you got a lot of money tied up in, in goaltenders. And it's, it, there's a competition there. I'm Team Robin Leonard. I loved what I saw out of him. I... I really, I think I made this, I think I said this last week. So when the, when the Hawks played in Prague to open the season, Eddie Olchek, he wasn't on the call. He was back here. He had, I think he had some other stuff he was doing. And he couldn't go to Prague. So they had him on the, the postgame show at NBC Sports. And Edzo was talking about how great he thought Corey Crawford looked in goal. And I remember thinking to myself, because I'm, I'm one of those. I, I love Eddie Olchek. 
I think he, I think he's a better announcer than he was a player, which is saying something because he was a really, really good player. I didn't want to agree, or didn't want to agree. I didn't want to disagree with Eddie Olchek, just because he's he's Eddie Olchek. I didn't want to disagree with him, and I didn't think Crawford looked that great. Now keep in mind, the Hawks' defense is not good. It's not great. They're doing better, but they're not great. It's not the defense we saw in the golden age when they won those three cups. It's weird. because You don't want to fault just the goalie because it's not all on them. They can only stop so many shots. It's also on the defense, which has been a weak spot for the last year and a half, even before they fired... Joel Quenville. The defense has been a weak spot. But also, I think Leonard is the better goalie given the state of the defense. I think Crawford does better. Obviously, any goalie is going to do better with a good defense. Like that's it's just the that's the way it, that's the way it works. But I think Crawford with the defense they have is I don't, I don't think he can play to his full potential with just the how rough the defense is. So I'm Team Robin Leonard. If you disagree with me, if you agree with me, if you just want to talk, if you want to, in the words of Chance the Rapper, if you want to do that hockey, call me, 773-508-9589. I'm here for another nine-ish minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes. I don't know. I can't do math. But we'll talk about anything you anything you want to talk about, obviously within reason. Because if you're going to come on here and make fun of my music taste, because I was as I made the Elton John reference earlier, then we got to talk. But that's what's going on in Chicago sports and Illinois sports, because we talked about the fight in Illini getting that big win yesterday, which still blew my mind. Uh, what's this? So last night in the Alabama game, Tua Tagovailoa got hurt. He's Heisman candidate, great. He's really good quarterback. And again, I didn't watch it as I was a in bed, and then I was b watching the Yankee game in the ninth inning. So I didn't watch the Alabama game. I was following vicariously through Twitter when I was dozing off. But Tua Tago, Tua Tagovailoa, I can I've always had trouble saying his name. He got hurt, and he went to the locker room, the whole shebang. I hadn't heard anything, and Nick Saban just issued a statement five minutes ago. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa suffered a high ankle sprain last night against Tennessee. Our physicians performed a successful tightrope procedure on his right ankle this morning. This is the same injury, but the opposite ankle that Tua injured last season. Uh, He'll miss next week's game against Arkansas. And they're talking first-round draft pick. Tua Tagovailoa, and now he's he, he's hurt. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, is there more news on the Cubs manager search that I just see, or is that someone retweeting Mark Feinzan's report? I think someone was just retweeting Feinzan's report. If you missed it, we let off the show talking about the Cubs are interviewing Joe Espada again. He got a second. He got a second interview. That's according to Mark Feinzan over at. MLB.com. So he'll be in town today if he's not already. He had an interview last week, and even uh, David Kaplan, uh, he had his sources, well, his, I think he had a source, uh, telling him that Espada had a quote-unquote sensational interview. Uh, the quote Cap reported was, he gave Theo and Jed a lot to think about. They really liked him and came away exceptionally impressed. Was it enough to overcome David Ross's relationship with Theo and Jed? We will see. I think it's a two-man race for that job right now. I think it's David Ross, and I think it's Joe Espada. And like I said before, I really, I was Team Rossi all the way. I keep hearing more and more about Joe Espada. And the fact that he's coming from Houston. A team that has been producing young talent and 
develop helping develop young talent. And someone someone made me feel really bad as a Cubs fan last night when they said Houston is what we thought the Cubs were going to be, which that can be taken two ways. It can be taken toward the front office, which they have not done a good job since the 2016 World Series, or it can be taken toward the manager. But I saw that, and I just like, you know, this is exactly what we thought it was, or what we thought it was, what we thought the Cubs were supposed to be. We thought the Cubs were going to win the World Series in 16. 17 was a hangover year. I don't even, I'm not, I don't count 17 as a disappointment. 2018, 2019 should have been great years, and they weren't. They were very underwhelming. And that's why I think it was time to get rid of Joe Madden. Because the front office isn't going anywhere. And the fact that Joe's contract was up, I think it was time for a new voice. I've said that here. I've said it on social media. I think it was time for a new voice in the clubhouse. And I think, do I think Rossi's the front runner now? Yeah. And I disagree with the people who think he's just going to be an extension of Joe Madden. Everyone's problem with Rossi is they're talking about, oh, he's going to be just another Joe Madden. If, the, if you get rid of Joe and you bring in Rossi, that's the same guy. I disagree. Because you heard from Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, unprompted. That's the biggest thing I keep pointing to is unprompted. They both talked about how great a leader David Ross was. Javi even said he's not the player he is today without David Ross. I think there's a respect there. I know the issue is, oh, he played with these guys. How is it going to be he how's it going to be when you have to get on your get on these guys cuz they're they're slacking? Well, he did that when he played. One of the one of my favorite things that happened during that World Series was when Anthony Rizzo was in the dugout and Fox had the mic and they heard him say I'm in a glass case of emotion. I'm freaking out. And Rossi's sitting there. He's just like, hey, you just got to think of it like a normal game. You just get, you calm the nerves. Just settle down. You'll just, it's just a normal game. And that just still stands out to me. Because he was just, he was, he was a teammate. And yeah, I know teammate vibe is different than manager to player vibe. And could age be a factor? Yeah. I mean, they brought up a great point on Sports Talk Live the other night with my guy uh, Ben Pope from the Sun-Times. He covers the Blackhawks. It takes a little bit when there's an age, when you're close in age. Because Jeremy Colton's only a couple years older than Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And there's something to be said there about that age gap, and he's coaching them. So could that be an issue with David Ross? Yeah. Do I think it'll be a big issue with David Ross? No. But again, I am intrigued by Joe Espada. I never thought I'd say that because I heard his name thrown around. I'm just like, who? Just because I, if you ask me who the bench coach of the Houston Astros is, odds are I'm not going to be able to tell you because I can't keep track of all the bench coaches. I'm lucky I can tell you all the managers anymore. Like, I forgot that Brad Ausmus was managing the Angels until they got rid of him to hire Joe Madden. So I'd never really heard anything about Joe Espada until he started coming up in the Cubs conversations. But now, hearing how he how he worked under A.J. Hinch in Houston, and hearing and just seeing how he vibes with the players as I'm watching the playoffs, he might be a good fit. And we'll see, the second interview is a good sign because I haven't I've been I'd like to think I've been following this pretty close. I haven't seen anyone else get a second interview, unless you want to count Girardi's eight hours with Theo and Jed as two separate interviews, which I don't think you can. He definitely wins for longest interview, but I don't think anyone else has a second interview. At least nothing has been reported that I've seen until today. So it sounds like Theo and Jed are starting to lock down their guy. 
And maybe next week by this time we'll have an answer. But also the World Series is going on. So if they're going to hire Espada, they got to wait until after the World Series now that Houston made it. So next week, hopefully, we'll have an update on the manager search. Or if it's David Ross, we'll know who the manager is. We'll see. But one thing I know for sure is I'm out of time because it is 12 noon. So thank you, everybody, for joining me. I will see you back here next week with a full slate, Cubs, Bears, Bulls, Hawks, you name it. We'll talk about it. So thanks for listening, and I will see you next week.